think I have any introduction preamble this week, so I'll just say hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles Fearless Records' Punk Goes Ellipses series. If you don't know what an ellipses is, it's dot, dot, dot. It sure is. This podcast... Pos- pod- I was doing so good. Podcast, I yeah. said. Yeah, we'll crack open a it's, podcast. It's, that's, that's a podcast that asks questions. And this do- this one does ask the age-old question of, hell yeah, or yeah, nah. I think before we go any further, we should say happy Valentine's Day to our listeners. Happy Valentine's Day. We are recording on Valentine's Day. Yes. It's also a Sunday morning and there's Sunday morning sounds all over the place. People mowing their lawns and kids crying. I'm waiting for the guy who lives somewhere in the area who practices the bagpipes of a weekend. Yeah, it's usually Sundays, but I think it's like Sunday afternoon. That's true, so maybe we'll catch it later in our extra special feature that you don't know about yet. Uh, But this week's song, uh, good thing we're doing this on a Sunday because that's my fun day. Mm. Uh, This week's song is Manic Monday. Performed by the Bangles as covered by Reliant K for Punk Goes 80s? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was last week's song that was 90s. I was like, wait, no, this song is in the 90s. I thought you were like reading the run sheet as you said that and you were just trying to be funny. I was like, yes, like it's 80s. <laughs> I mean, I didn't have the run sheet open, but now I do. Well done. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, as you said, we've got a bit of a special... Uh, spot in this episode mm-hmm. where do, should we should we announce it now or yeah because by the time people see this they'll have already read the blurb yeah attached to it and also we announced thank you for the podcast last week before we did so uh later on we will be talking with none other than the sadie hawkins podcast yes. who chronicles reliant k's discography and i don't know what age-old question they answer in their podcast but we'll find out and i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to having daniel and jessica on as reliant k experts because reliant k are a huge gap in just my pop punk knowledge i remember like i was aware of them growing up like i know that kids i went to school with listened to them like kids i knew outside of school like in my uni days listened to them but yeah they just bypassed me for some reason. Yeah, they were always in my periphery, but never, never explored. I I thought up until only like maybe a year or so ago, I thought they were pronounced uh, Reliant K. I remember, yeah, I remember thinking Reliant K when I was a kid. And then I must have just heard Reliant from someone else. I was like, ah, I'm glad I never said that out loud because I would have looked like a right dingus. And we'll get into it later on, but that... They purposefully misspelt Reliant. They did. So, yeah. Uh, I guess we, we do have a few songs to get through, so I guess we just get into the bangles. Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's do it.
So the Bengals formed in 1981 from Los Angeles, California. Which is funny because that's where the Sadie Hawkins pod mm. hail from. It is where the Sadie Hawkins pod hail from. So what maybe is... they... Let's ask them. Maybe they know... <laughs> yeah, do you guys know Susanna Hoffs? Do, do, do you know uh, Vicky Peterson? Uh, anyway, I'll stop interrupting. So the band's classic lineup consists of Susanna Hoffs, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, and Vicky Peterson, as I mentioned, on guitars and vocals. Yes. Debbie Peterson on drums and vocals, and Michael Steele playing bass and vocals. So they all had a microphone in front of them. Sweet. Good on them. Uh, however, as of 2018, the band's original bassist, Annette Zeliniscus rejoined the band replacing steel so they went from an all-girl group to a three-quarter girl group back to an all-girl group again that's the beauty of girl power right there (laughs) kick out all the men from everything and replace them i am a hundred percent on board i'm a hundred percent on board with um i want like I want like female fronted cock rock bands like just butt rock bands i want to i want a female fronted nickelback and, and just reverse, like, the, I like pants around your knees. Yeah, I, like, I'm trying to think of who would be the closest equivalent, but I really can't. I, I guess that, like, I mean, there are cover bands for groups like Motley Crue. There's the Iron Maidens. Oh, that's cute. Uh, ACD She. That's right. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten that they existed. There's, I'm not going to say it because it's a derogatory term that I can't say as a straight male, but it's black flag. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's all, it's all homosexual members. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's actually kind of funny. Like listening to, um, like listening to like them do rise above, but with like the very stereotypical, like lispy homosexual voice. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, like, the closest, like, butt rock front woman I can think of is, like, Chrissy Hines, was it? The one from The Divinals? But even that's not, like, butt rock. That's just someone with a husky voice who has a lot of stage presence. Uh, Yeah. I don't know if Brodie Dale would be considered, but, like, the, the distillers weren't. Rock. No, they were, they were just band. punk. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a reason why women haven't ventured into butt rock because it sucks. <laughs> um, I don't know. You have to be a very specific breed of person to make it work, I guess. Like you couldn't, you couldn't hear a woman singing "Lips of an Angel." Mm, no. No. I'm calling it. You couldn't. Anyway. I, I, look, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to put my energy out there. And if there's like any women that just love those groups and that just want to like form a female fronted cock rock, butt rock band, do it. Yeah. Do please. it. Absolutely. I would just cherish that. Uh, but okay. So um, we steered away from that topic quite a bit. We sure did. We're off the road. Let's get back on the road now. The So... The Bangles broke up in 1989, but they re- must have heard that you were born, and they were like, "Ah, oh, time to pack it in." Yep, it's uh, something monumental has happened halfway across the world, and let's just do it. Let's... Anyway, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so they broke up in 1989, but reformed to record a song for the soundtrack of Austin Powers' "The Spy Who Shagged Me." 
So I was looking it up. I think the song's called something like Get the Girl or I have no recollection of it. I, um, how funny is that though that like the the inciting incident I guess you would say that brought them back together was for Austin Powers 2. <laughs> I look, I believe in the healing vibes of Austin Powers. <laughs> and I all I have to say is a hearty yeah, baby. Maybe maybe Mike Myers is a terrific negotiator, but he couldn't negotiate Dana Carvey into liking him. True. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, good good on uh, the Bengals. Good on the spy who shagged me for nailing that one. Yeah. Yeah. So as of 2011, the band have recorded five studio albums. They're one of those ones where it's like... I feel like they've always been around. People have always sort of known about them, but like nothing of huge note like springs to mind about them. I had them confused for a while with the Go-Go's because I thought, it's like, oh, that's Belinda Carlisle's band. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. And then I was disappointed that it wasn't the Go-Go's. So the only Bangles ones I know are Walk Like an Egyptian. Yeah. This. This. Their cover of um, Eternal Flame. Unless, no, that was their original, was it? Shit. Hang on. Well, as we as we will dive into in, in a few moments, they didn't entirely write their songs. No. So. And on. if you're hearing scratching, it's uh, it's just our son scratching his haunted house. Our son pursuing his DJ career. <laughs> My bad. So I think it was their original one. Yeah. Whoops. I keep getting confused because in the 90s there was like this huge wave of... Like late 90s, early 2000s, there was just this wave of like mid tier, like pop bands recording covers of like, yeah, even though it was only, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years out from the original, anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, Eternal Flame slaps though, that's a good song, yeah. Uh, all right, so about this song, yes, Manic Monday, uh, it was recorded in 1986, but it wasn't so. Hang on, I'll repeat that. Although the song was recorded in 1984, it wasn't released until 1986 as the first single for their second album, Different Light. Uh, this I was shocked by. I Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. And then I then I told friend of the pod, Richard S. Heaney, he was like, yeah. Because <laughs> he knew, of course. Genius of the pod. So the song was written by Prince. It was initially written for Apollonia 6, however, he pulled the song. He offered the song to the Bangles two years later under the pseudonym Christopher, which was his character's name in the movie Under the Cherry Moon. So, because Apollonia 6 wasn't... Was it the front woman of Apollonia 6 and... Yeah, she was, she was... She was involved with Prince and she was in Purple Rain. That's right, Um, yeah. I think just... Playing Apollonia. Yeah. I don't remember what his character's name is in Purple Rain. It's not Prince. Yeah. Um, 
both like that and under the cherry moon like just watch those movies it's just they're bonkers like yeah. i actually haven't watched under the cherry moon yet but yeah it's all black and white and it's <laughs> and it, yeah it's just it's that's a i prefer that over purple rain i think it's a more fun movie because it has like an actual sort of like story to it yeah whereas yeah. this is i guess is just prince's life um yeah. One of the wilder moments I found in Purple Rain is when he tries to get tough with his dad, but he's like four foot ten, and it's like he like walks because like his dad's abusive to his mother, and mm. which isn't a funny thing, but like he walks into the house and he's like he's like getting his bass into his voice, like "Where are you, motherfucker?" Oh, and it's I love like it. even with even with the heels on, Prince is only like five foot two. <laughs> <laughs> he was a force to be reckoned with. He was. Um, I kind of want to watch Purple Rain again, though. Well, we've got nothing on after this afternoon, so let's do it. It's not really a Valentine's Day movie, though. It... That is a fair point. I'm mm. really dying to watch Fight Club again, so it was going to be either that or Purple Rain. <laughs> well, let's watch Fight Club. Sure. The right. ultimate Valentine's Day film. Um, film. So this was a fact that I, I just enjoyed. Um... The song was released on Monday, 27th of January. So it was released on a Monday. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well done. I hope Friday was released on a Friday. Uh, all I know is that the remix that's come out recently was not oh. released on a Friday. So it's just like, well, fuck's sake. Like... I I appreciate that, though. It's like, because this song feels like the ultimate troll of a troll. That's true, yeah. And it's like, well, no, we're going to release this on a Wednesday. Yeah. Because fuck you. Wow, that uh, that remix is wild, though. Look, if you're into hyperpop, it's a good remix. I am not into hyperpop. Yeah, I was introduced to hyperpop. Hyperpop or hyperbop? Pop. Pop. I was introduced to hyperpop from this, and I don't think I'm going to explore it any further. I want to give it a go. I just... There's something about it that doesn't quite compute with me. I feel like I'm, I'm definitely too old for it like i <laughs> there's that like there's that tone that you can hear until you're like 27 or something and then you like you age out <laughs> of it i'm like i'm like that i just i don't hear this song anymore and go i, I can appreciate that my nephews are of the age where they could enjoy it get something out of it but it's not for me yeah yeah although we do love rebecca black here at Pungo's. oh absolutely so. absolutely like the original Fuck with it all, all day, every day. Do you though? Well, you know, I just because Rebecca Black's a sport. She, you know, yeah, she's a legend. She's a legend. Uh, she's a legend in our eyes. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so the song reached number three in Australia, by which we mean Manic Monday, not Friday. Oh yeah, not Friday. Number two in Canada, and and number two in Canada and the US. Sorry, and That's it, right. and it reached number one in South Africa. Sick. Yeah. Why not? The, the South Africans don't like Mondays. No. That's one thing that did my head in all of this week is I kept thinking that this song was I Don't Like Mondays. I wish because <laughs> I would record my father giving me his thoughts on I Don't Like Mondays. Because <laughs> every time he goes into like a, a five minute just diatribe about how much he hates that song. That's brilliant. And it's just like... Just like ragging on Bob Geldof and just like, 
And he's like, oh, bunk out off. He thought he was hot. And then he was all like, I do like Mondays. <laughs> I just like, I get it. Like, Bob Geldof to me is sort of like the proto, like, Bono. Yeah, sort of like, 100%. So I get it, but also it's <laughs> just like so much mental energy exerted on, like, not liking Bob Geldof. <laughs> it makes me laugh quite a lot. <laughs> like, he did a lot for starving children. He did, but he didn't have to be such a... Um... Prat about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but... And it's like, and yeah, you got off, like, you got... You you helped children off of yeah a, a pretty bad song about a like a really messed up topic as well yeah yeah oh, yeah the the I don't like Mondays song just look it up look up what that song's about because it's fucked up yeah um so what do you think about Manic Monday by the Bangles the Bangles I was gonna say the Bungles <laughs> Mister Bangles the Mister Bungles <laughs> that's uh. <laughs> That's a uh, fucked up. Fuck. So this is kind of a tricky because, like, in terms of the original, we sort of have a couple of steps to take. So, like, yeah. we have the Prince original, seeing as he wrote it. Then we have the Apollonia Six demo because they got it first, and then we have the Bangles. Yeah. Um, which I would have had zero knowledge of either of the two former ones. Yeah, yeah. If otherwise. we did no, if we did no research. Yeah, which this is always w- entirely possible on my end, at least. But it would have been just like, yeah, we would just talk about the Bengals. Someone would call us out, probably Richard. Like, <laughs> hey, you Rightfully so, yeah. because, yeah, anyway. Yeah, any chance I get to talk about Prince, I'm yeah, fine with it. that's true. Yeah. So, it's funny, like, when, like, off the bat when we were like, yep, next one is Manic Monday, I was like, fuck, like, I just have no appetite to talk about because it's just so annoying and like sing-songy and like Mm. goofy but the more i listen to it sort of in sequence almost so like if you start with prince now that we're aware that the apollonia 6 demo exists so thank you to daniel from sadie hawkins pod for alerting us to that um like if you start with those two and then shift to manic monday and treat that as a cover even though technically it's not because it was the official release yeah he 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 wrote it but then i mean it's like it's like saying sia owns diamonds by rihanna yeah yeah um so if i look at it like that i feel a lot more favor favorably towards it if that makes sense like the the prince and i guess in saying that also the apollonia six which i'm a little bit confused about why they're called apollonia six when there's only three of them um but, yeah, like, they they definitely have, I mean, especially for the Prince one, because it's a Prince song, but it has his, his like, trademark sort of all over it. Like the, yeah. Like, the female backing vocals and, yeah. like, the, 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 the certain style of, like, keyboards and everything like that. It's it's definitely, and, I mean, of course, his voice. Yeah, yeah. You, you listen to it and go, oh, okay, yeah, that's a Prince song. And I guess when you then take it into the bangles, it's... You know, it feels like their own song. Yeah. Enough. I think... I don't know. Like, I still... I glean more value from the Bengals one knowing where it came from. Like... And for some reason, like, at the start of the week when I I was sort of listening to these, I was like, oh, man, like... Prince is known for, like, every now and then, like, he has some pretty goofy lyrics. Like, I always bring up, like... 
raspberry beret like I was working part time at the five and dime my boss was Mr. McGee it's just like yeah but then when I look about like when I re-examine that it's that's the whole thing is like he wrote about the mundane as well as like very sexual topics oh yeah like very sort of fantastical sort of topics like and when he writes about the mundane he does it in a really sort of charming way and so re-examining this and like really listening to the lyrics within the context of prince wrote this i actually find it really charming like i can fully relate to a song where just like you're always on the back foot and like running late to everything and not keeping up with like the hustle and bustle of everyday life like that's actually a very cute song yeah it's 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 very much about being late to work yeah but then when you when you get to like close to the end in the bridge you find out why she's late to work <laughs> it's because her partner is Val- she... Valentino has um kept her up late because they wanted to uh what was it make some noise or something yes uh hang on I'm bringing up the lyrics uh, he tells me in his bedroom voice, come on, honey, let's go make some noise. Time, it goes so fast when you're having fun. Of all my nights, why did my lover have to pick last night, meaning Sunday, to get down? Mm. Doesn't it matter they ha- that I have to feed the both of us? Employment's down. Yeah. So it's also like, she's the breadwinner of the house. Yeah. And... And he just, he wants to get down. So it's, it's one, yeah, it's one of those ones you can sort of expand it as far as you like, if that makes sense. Like, cause even like in the first verse, like these are the days when you wish your bed was already made. Like you can take that at face value in terms of like, man, I wish like I'd already made the bed. So I had like a few extra minutes to like borrow and, but like, you could also be like a full, like lit, like literary sort of wanker about and be like these are days where you wish you sort of already had your life set up completely like Mm. you've already made the bed like you and that's the first thing you do is like that's the first step to like organizing your day is making the bed but even like within the terms of like you've made your bed now lie in it like sort of like you could even extend that if you wanted to which let's look it's a reach but like these are days when you wish you already sort of had your ducks in a row and you already had your life together like you'd already sort of paved the way for like yeah like you I don't quite know how like not even in a negative sense but just these are the days when you wish you had already sort of got your shit together in general and like sort of set the tone for like what your life was going to be yeah like you'd already made those definitive choices about where you wanted to go in life yeah um but it's and again like you could sort of like, ugh, like, blame it on the train, but the boss is already there. Um, like, again, you can sort of take this as, like, a anti-work sort of song. Yeah, of, like, yeah. fuck's sake, like... And, like, even the, the bit where it's, like, even if I had an aeroplane, I still wouldn't be there on time or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is just... This is also just not my day. This is not working. Yeah. Like, no matter what I do, I am going to be late. And then, of, work. yeah, and then of course, like in the bridge, like doesn't it matter that I have to feed the both of us employments down? Like that's a pretty, like yeah, you can just take that at face value of like oh yeah, like things are a bit tough at the moment, but we'll get by. But also, you can take that as like a huge sort of diss against just. Well, that was also like when Reagan was president. Yeah, he was just like 
he was just fucking the middle class and the poor yeah. as much as he could. That's the thing is you can take it as a thing on like the class divide or like just yeah the nature of work and like labor in the twentieth twenty first centuries. Yeah, like yeah, it's pretty. It's cool that such a basic song can have that ripple effect. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, the more we talk about it, the more we explore, I think I'm appreciating it more. My my first thoughts was like, I mean, I, I you know, I'm a bit of a softie for the 80s. Yes. But, but I was like, oh man, this is the, like, this is the wrong side of 80s cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I still don't know if musically it's a song I gravitate towards. Because no. even because I'm I'm the book I'm reading at the moment, my best friend's exorcism is set in the eighties. Yeah, and they they go to a roller skating rink Sick. for a party, and um, the go goes. We got the beat plays. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I want to listen to that while I'm reading this. And it was like that song fucking slaps. Yeah, so good. And it was like, and this kind of doesn't, but maybe it doesn't need to. I think again, like. Before I knew where the song came from, like being Prince, and like again, it, like it, it sounds like I'm sort of overcompensating, like oh, but Prince is a genius. But like, if I sort of picture this just written by like some random and like just sort of given picture, to them, picture it being written by the Bangles, even yeah. yeah, or like just written by some random with the Bangles, or like pushed by an exec for the Bangles. It does just sound very face value. Like, and even just their version of it, like, it's cute, but it doesn't capture the same sort of, like, just the, well, I guess, like, the beauty in the mundane, I guess. Yeah. Like, whereas Prince is one with the very classic sort of, like, is it Paisley Park, like, that he, Mm -hmm. yeah, like, to me, like, I just equate the sound of it with, like, Prince, like, the entity of Prince, like, that very sort of dreamy kind of slightly orchestral like setup of it and again like the Apollonia 6 one it's literally just Apollonia 6 singing over yeah the Prince one which of course because it's a demo but like there's just something about it where it's really quite like meditative and mm. sweet mm. like um which again I think just the sheen of the 80s like bent that the bangles really do put on it like that kind of waters it down a bit for me yeah i don't know i i like the bridge the like when you know they're talking about how valentino you know or i'm assuming in princes i'm is it valentina no i think it's still valentino i thought that he changed pronouns oh maybe um that's, that was one other thing. Is like, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't because mm. it was Prince. Like, Prince was just sex. Like Yeah. Um, I feel like it sort of kicks the song up into a little bit of a gear, but that bridge only goes for, like, 25 seconds. That's pretty short, and then it's over, and then it's back to just being sort of wistful, manic Monday. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like, the, when he sort of has the, Come on, honey! Let's make some noise. It's like, okay, I'm in that. I'm into that. Like, that's that's Prince. According to Genius, it's still Valentino. I could be wrong. Okay. But then again, in the bridge, but then she tells me in her bedroom voice, 
come on, honey, let's make some noise. Yeah. So. I feel like listening to it, he does say Valentino, but yeah. then he changes it to, yeah, she says in her bedroom voice. Well, I guess like Valentino, like the dream person could be different to their lover yeah. as well. Like. Yeah. I was trying to figure out if like there's a Valentino, like a pop culture figure, but all I, I can think even... of is the clothes label. Because I didn't like... even think sorry i'm cutting across from me i didn't even think about that because valentino is the person they're dreaming about yeah because the lover might be someone different from valentino because it's i mean they mention it ends pretty quickly um time it goes so fast or or i guess it could be that they're, they're having so much fun that it goes so fast yeah yeah so yeah valentino clemente ludovico garavani best known mononymous Whoa, mononymously as Valentino was the fashion designer. But again, I think it's just, yeah, we don't really know who Valentino is. Mm. But yeah, like I immediately just thought of Valentino the label. So I guess by extension, the person. But yeah, we don't know. And it's just, and again, like just that fantastical thing of like the crystal blue lake, was lake. it? Yeah. In Italy or what? In Italy. Like. That is a very sort of prince kind of type of imagery, I guess. Like, just the, like very sort of very detailed in parts where it shouldn't necessarily matter, but it just paints a picture of like someone who's a bit kind of daydreamy and like operating outside of just the rat race, I guess. Yeah. As he said in Purple Rain, you must purify yourself for the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> I'm just like I think one of the things that that made me smile because it was just so goofy in Purple Rain was just like he has his purple motorcycle but then it's got like the fucking see-through plastic like windshield on it (laughs) it's like and like that's the album cover is him sitting on that and he's like Prince clothes it's like that doesn't look tough that doesn't look tough you're afraid of you're afraid of getting bugs in your face Prince I love it. Like, <laughs> fucking all power to Prince for protecting his face and his hair from bugs. Yeah, like, he's not wearing any helmets. He's not getting any helmet Oh, no, God, no. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I think, like, I've sort of just been meandering, but to me, like, reframing it in that sense of, like, where it stemmed from and then what the Bengals did with it, like... I always enjoyed the Bangles version as a kid because that's all I ever knew. But then to me, like, in the order of which I prefer, it's definitely Prince followed by the Bangles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's almost like he... Well, we don't know when he recorded that, do we? Uh, when he recorded his version. I think we do. Hold on. Do we? Because, oh, yeah. yeah, it's... Yeah, because I would say, like, it's almost like a dick move. Like, he put more into it. But, like... He didn't record the Bangles version. No. He just gave them the, you know, the lyrics essentially. Okay, so where are we? So the Bangles recorded it in eighty four, but it didn't get released until eighty six. Yeah, so he wrote it in eighty four, like you said, recorded it as a duet for the band Apollonia Six, his self titled album. However, he eventually pulled the song. Then two years later, offered it to the Bangles. Yeah. So I guess he, yeah, recorded it pretty soon after he wrote it, I guess, in 84. Mm. So yeah, it is very much like the 
predecessor to it. Um... Yeah, it's like the other example I'm thinking of is um, his version of Nothing Compares to You and then the Sinead O'Connor yeah, yeah. cover. Um, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. They're Both of those versions are phenomenal right. in my mind. Whereas like this one, it's like, okay, he did a good song. Yeah. And then the Bangles did an okay song. Like, this is... It feels almost blasphemous for me to be like, yeah, I don't love this. Yeah. Even as a Prince song. Like, it's okay. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's alright. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's... It feels like a bit of a detour from, like, classic Prince. Yes. Because, yeah, he potentially was... Well, yeah, like, he wasn't necessarily writing it for himself. Mm. Like, he was writing it for Apollonia 6 and himself by extension and then went nah yeah and yeah like apparently just reading up on wikipedia about prince's version it was rumored by various writers that after prince listened to the bangles 1984 debut album all over the place he gave the song to bangles rhythm guitarist Susanna hoffs in, they were dating i think in or... hopes of winning her affection yeah <laughs> so what a smooth operator <laughs> my god i'll give you this song if you give me your hand but yeah, lyrically, the song is about someone waking up from a romantic dream at six o'clock on Monday morning and facing a hectic journey to work when she would prefer to still be enjoying relaxing on Sunday, her, quote, I don't have to run day. There we go. Actor Rudolph Valentino is referred in the first verse. That's right. Yeah, I... So, yeah. Uh, known professionally as Rudolph Valentino, and an Italian actor based in the United States who starred in several well-known silent films, including The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, The Sheik, Blood and Sand, The Eagle, and The Son of the Sheik. That's a really, like, deep... He's a good-looking dude. Yeah. That's a really deep cut, though. Like, a song written in the 80s talking about, like, I'm dreaming of this person from the silent era. Yeah. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, Valentino was a sex symbol of the 1920s. Of the 20s? Known in Hollywood as the Latin lover... A title invented for him by Hollywood moguls, the great li- great lover, or simply Valentino. His premature death at the age of thirty-one caused mass hysteria among his fans, further cementing his place in early cinematic history as a cultural film icon. That's almost like not other girls territory. Like, oh, you can yeah. <laughs> you can dream about Brad Pitt. I'm going to dream about Valentino. But again, to me, like that's a very um, Prince esque, like yeah. just that sort of. Like, who else would know about silent film prints? And also just that, like, like indulgent sort of interaction with pop culture. Like, again, just sort of the way that Prince can write about basic things in a very ornate sort of way. Like, again, like, going back to, like, Raspberry Beret, like, yeah, he gets in trouble because the boss says, like, he works a little too leisurely or whatever. Mm. Like... Yeah, just, again, that sort of mentality of, like, no, like, I'm just going to take things at my pace. I'm going to indulge myself in, like, the trappings of, like, being kind of materialistic. Like, yeah, I yeah, I, I love it. Like, the more I read into it, I'm just like, yes, I love this. You don't also, like, yeah, you don't need to know that it's necessarily Rudolph Valentino, but, like, Valentino conjures up images of exotic, yeah. beautiful men. Yeah. As well. 
Like it's it's that sort of it's that interesting kind of name. It's yeah. It's not just like I was kissing Stan, <laughs> Jeff, by, by the by the by the murky waters of the Lake Minnetonka. Like <laughs> <laughs> some some small dude on a purple bike said, we have to dive in to purify ourselves. Just kissing Barry by the Yarra. <laughs> Barry by the Yarra. Fucking hell. Bazza by the Yarra. <laughs> Bazza by the Yazza. <laughs> um, like, who, who's your, like, do you have a, like, an old-timey crush on anyone? The only one I can think of is, like, as a teen watching Anne of Green Gables. Like, the guy who played Gilbert Blythe was so gorgeous. Mm. And then he only died a couple, I say in air quotes, a couple of years ago, like... But I was an adult, and I was genuinely sad, because I was like, oh man, like he was so cute. And if Green Gables was filmed in the 80s? I think so. Hang on. It was Canadian? Yeah, Canadian. Uh, so he wouldn't have been that old. Jonathan Crombie. So yeah, he was born in the 60s and died in 2015. Oh, wow. So again, like he was like... He wasn't old, but it was before my time. Yeah. Like, because I never really got into, like, old movies. Yeah. Like, again, yeah, I didn't have the, like, smarts to sort of be engaging with, like, I don't know, fucking Metropolis or something when I was a kid. Yeah. Outside of studying it for school. Yeah. What about you? Diana Rigg. She was, uh, the only, she played the only character to marry James Bond. Oh, okay. And she was in the Avengers TV series, and in my favorite Vincent Price movie, Theater of Blood. Okay, no, she's gorgeous. Yeah, I regret to inform you that she died last year. She did die last year. Um, she was the old lady in Game of Thrones for anyone. Ah, yeah. okay. There, oh. yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, shall we move on to Reliant K? So yeah, this episode is shaping up to be a bit of a lengthy one, but yeah, we, not being Reliant K experts, will give a bit of an overview of Reliant K, what we think of this song specifically, and also what we think of one other cover, but then yeah, I think for the interest of time, let's leave it up to the experts to tell us about Sadie Hawkins. I realise I'm giving you a thumbs up for an audio-only medium. That's... Fine. <laughs> you can you can hear it. No, you can't. Yeah, exactly. Um, Would you like to take the notes about Reliant K, the brief notes that I wrote about Reliant K? Yes, I would. So Reliant K formed in 1998. They hail from Canton, Ohio. 
and the band formed in their third year of high school and consists of members Matt Thiessen, Matt Hoops and Brian Pittman. The band is named after the Plymouth Reliant K car, which was Matt Hoops's automobile of choice at the time of starting the band. Uh, but of course, the name was changed to Reliant with an E to avoid any trademark disputes. Mm-hmm. They're sort of, yeah, as you've mentioned, like they've, they've been around, well, I mean, they've been around for 21 years. Yeah. 23 years. My God. God. Um, you know, they've always sort of like run around in the circles that we've been aware of, but it's just, yeah, they've been out of our periphery. I yeah. Don't know. I don't know why, I always kind of looked at them as a band kind of similar to the Ataris, almost. And it's like, yeah, I'm not really into that. I don't know why, I don't know why. Yeah. I, I don't know why, whenever I mention the Ataris, I just see wood paddling everywhere. But <laughs> that's what it is. I think, I don't know, like, they're one of those bands I've wanted to get into. I think just because I heard about them being talked about so much, but then I just never actually... Like, I think my sister might have had, like, one song from Mm-hmm on her computer. That's their debut album, is it? Or their I, second album? I think it's this... Ooh! Just throwing my phone. I think it's their second, maybe? Hang on. You know the Crash Test Dummies had a song that was just called Mm-hmm? Really? Mm, yep. It's just it's just a lot of M's. <laughs> Christ, so Mm-hmm is the fourth full-length album. Oh, the fourth. Wow, they, Jesus, they really, um, like, they just smashed out albums because they were only a band for a couple of years by that point. So what were they doing, like, one a year almost? Uh, ooh, let me have a look. Do-do-do-do-do. So, chronology. Wait, no. Damn it. This is really fun, um, fucking podcasting for everyone. Discography. Let's see. So in 2000, they released Reliant K. 2001, The Anatomy of the Tongue and Cheek. 2003, Two Lefts Don't Make a Right, But Three Do. <laughs> 2003, Deck the Halls, Bruise Your Hand. 2004, Mm-hmm. 2007, Five Score and Seven Years Ago. 2007, Let It Snow Baby, Let It Rain Dear. <laughs> uh... 2009, Forget and Not Slow Down, which I think is sort of like a... Not a cult classic, but, like, it's sort of a classic among, like, diehard fans. Yeah. 2011 is for karaoke, 2013, Collapsible Lung, and 2016, Air for Free. Yeah. So, my God, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I wish I had that work ethic. Um, yeah, there are bands that have been around for, like, 30, 40 years that don't, that don't have that many albums. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. Um, yeah. Anyway, what do we think of... This cover. I kind of love it. Same. Yeah. The the second... Well, I mean, the second that it starts, it's just that sort of, like, synthy yeah. keys, and I'm like, I'm into this. Yeah. Immediately. It has that... I explained it to you. It feels like... It feels like a, mo- a movie. A song that would have played at the start of an early 2000s Disney movie. Yes. And yes. it's like, I can see this at the start of... Freaky Friday when she's yeah. like when Jamie Lee Curtis is like trying to pull Lindsay Lohan out of the bed. Yeah, you know, and it's like they're <laughs> fighting over like fucking going to school and going to work because it has like it it has a very and I, I I don't know if that's the rest of their sound but it has a very sanitized 
pop punk sound to it. Well, to me, this is sort of the equivalent of like when Simple Plan covered the Scooby Doo thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. but I don't mean that in a mean way. Like, no, I mean that Scooby-Doo, because it rules. The Scooby Doo song rules. Yeah, like, <laughs> and yeah, it's just it's cute. Like, I love this because again, like, I'm not really engaging with it in terms of what it means. Like. To me, this is like the same level of removed as like the Bangles version, if not a little more so. But they have fun with it. Yeah. Like, this fits the brief. They are very much just like, yeah, punk goes 80s. Let's fucking do this. And speaking of brief, this is a quick song as well, which yeah. I appreciate a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it has good energy to it. And yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel like this could be anyone's introduction to punk goes and it would be a really good start for them yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I love it. Um, I think one thing I find kind of cute about their version is the way they modify the bridge. So yeah, like, and I must admit, like, I'm talking with very little experience here. I was like, oh, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they sanitized this one a bit, just given their position as, like, a Christian yeah. band. But, yeah, like, all of my all of my nights, why did my lover have to pick last night to get down? Not enough that I have to feed the both of us unemployments down. And then they said, he tells me in his quiet riot voice, come on, feel the noise, which is just... A, I like that. That's really cute. Yeah. Because was that 80s as well? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's just a clever callback to what else was going on in the 80s and yeah yeah and it's also do you do you know come on feel the noise yeah yeah so just like that that opening just like come on feel the noise <laughs> yeah it's like trying to imagine this guy just being like just like come on <laughs> let's get down it's just it's cute like it's a clever wink to just yeah, the era in general. And also, it's a, it's a sort of clever way to deflect from... Like, they do talk about, like, lover, like, getting down with them. But it's also a way to sort of deflect from the very obvious thing of, like, hey, want to fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. It's... Yeah, and... Because, I mean, the original, I guess, could be argued that it's... It's almost lacking in the big energy because it's like, fuck, it's Monday. I just... Yeah. I don't want to do this. I think that th- the, one of the songs I was comparing it to was 9 to 5, 9 to 5 oh, by yeah. Dolly Parton. Yeah. That's, that song rips. It does. And it has that sort of like that build up. The and then like, and then the, the 9 to 5 kicks in and it's like, all right, I can get through this. Yeah. Whereas... Manic Monday wallows in yeah. the, the the fact that it's Monday, whereas the Reliant K version is like, no, okay, it's Monday, let's let's fucking do this, and then and then it like goes into like a nice little soft bit at the end as well. Yeah, yeah, it's cute, um, uh, and, and and even that like doesn't take away from it. I, I like the sort of like it's almost like it's going. It's almost like oh fuck, I need to get up. I I can't let my alarm. You know, I can't turn my alarm off. I need to get up and go to work. But it's almost like at the end, it's like, and then you're wallowing back into like, you're yeah. going back to sleep because your alarm has been turned off. And Yeah, like it sort of catches up with them. They're like, oof, like I'm actually, yeah. Yeah. A bit tired. 
which is a huge mood for me because I'm tired all the time. Um, sad to have to inform you that Dolly Parton has also, I don't know, I think it might have been for the Super Bowl, but like she recorded another version of 9 to 5, which is 5 to 9, which is about having a side hustle to like sort of... Oh, to... Because you're living in America and you need yeah. three jobs to survive if you're but of course, the middle like, to lower class. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm empowered because I make extra income streams because my job doesn't pay me enough in the fit. Like, so yeah, that's kind of depressing. I haven't listened to it yet because I don't want to have that energy. But apparent, by all accounts, it's just depressing as shit. It is kind of depressing that they have that... Like, looking out... And I say this, we're, we're just about to have two Americans on. I know. Podcast, but like, as Australians, you look, you know, and people from, you know, the rest of the world, looking at Americans, and a lot of them have that thing of like, that's just like tough Americanism is to yeah. have three jobs. It's like, you shouldn't need to have three jobs to survive, to yeah. pay your rent and groceries and bills. That's, yeah. And I guess like, to me, that's why I enjoy the song more, so as an adult, is you can sort of extrapolate it to the point of, like, yeah, capitalism sucks. Yeah. Which I feel like Prince absolutely would have had some sort of comment on that. Yeah. Yeah. And the crux of it is that just even if she wrote five to nine Dolly Parton still rules. That's true. Yeah. So we have one more to talk about. Yes. Because we couldn't finish it we couldn't do an episode if there was a billy joe armstrong cover and not talk about it i know i love him so much So it was last year in lockdown that um, Billy Joe of famed band Green Day, uh, my first favourite band and perennial favourite, so yeah, Um, he recorded a series of songs in lockdown, which he then released as a comp. Um, I'm trying to think what it was called. Ah, that's all right. It's fine. Um, That's right. No Fun Mondays. So it was a series done in quarantine. So a very apt song for a very apt series of songs. And yeah, he recorded it with the Bengals' Susanna Hoffs. And yeah, it's just, it's a very classic Billy Joe take on the song. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Um... It's just, he adds distortion to it and, like, the tempo stays the same. Um, doesn't give you that sort of, like, 
It doesn't give you that feeling like the Reliant K version does, which is like, no. okay, get up out of bed and I can do this. Yeah. Um, Mondays suck, but hey, then comes Tuesday and then we'll, we'll you know, the, the week will start moving. Like, this is still just sort of like, man, I wish it was Sunday. Yeah. Because it's my fun day. And, but I'm just going to slap distortion on because I'm Billy Joe. Yeah. Yeah. I think, look, I feel like I'm part of the minority when it comes to Green Day slash Billy Joe, where I have a very low threshold for quality. Like, yeah. unlike Weezer, where I'm just sort of like, ugh, like every time they release something. <laughs> um, like... And yeah, to be fair, like Green Day, they've had a series of pretty crap albums. But like, in terms of side projects and stuff, like my baseline feeling towards it will be like, yep, yeah, cool, love it. Like, they haven't been able to capture the same magic that they did with American Idiot. God no, no, no. And that was eighteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think for me, I look at this in terms of just Billy being like. A classic sort of seasoned professional in terms of being one of those like pop punk stalwarts. Like yeah. he's just he's there. He's done a lot of like covering songs and like a lot of sort of side projects. Like he had that whole album with Nora Jones where they covered the Everly Brothers, and I love it. And I didn't know he did that. Yeah, yeah. me and your mum listened to it on the way back ah. from Frankston one time. Oh, there you go. After I purchased it, it was a very Lovely bonding experience. Um, But yeah, to me, like, these covers simultaneously read as, like, just a bit of a sort of, like, throwaway thing. But also, he gives it the Billy Joe treatment, and for that I appreciate it. Like, because it's it's still contemplative. It's still that sort of dreamlike state that Prince's original was. But because Billy Joe is true punks, like, of course it's crunchy and... It has his classic Billy, like it's sung in like the Billy Joe key and the Billy Joe voice, yeah. and like it's cute. And I like that he recruited Susanna for it as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's also a big part of it. Yeah, so I love Billy. He is my old timey celebrity crush, even though he's not that old timey. I mean, he's what is he in his fifties? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Anyway, I do. And I'm throwing you under the bus a bit here, but I do like that a lot of your man crushes are older men. <laughs> like him. I James went, Spader. Yeah, we watch Blacklist. Oh, hello. I, I, I know we've had this discussion, but is it, is it Red or is it Robert California that that's like the, the better, like the sexier version of James Spader? Um, I think... Because uh, they're sort of like two sides of the same co- same coin. Like, yeah, Red, I would be hesitant to fuck with because he's a criminal. But then, in that but you sense, you know that you know, like his crimes are all out on the table. Whereas, yeah, Robert California, you know he's committed some crimes, <laughs> but like, yeah, what is what is he on the run for? Essentially, I think I just love Robert California because he's just so like overtly sexual, which is so inappropriate yeah. for a man of his stature. Yeah. Like. <laughs> And obviously, like, everything that entails is super inappropriate, but just within the context of a comedy series about a paper company in yeah. Scranton, Pennsylvania, like, it just cracks me up. 
Do you want the sex metaphor or the nature metaphor? That. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you have any more thoughts about anything? Um, no, I think I've said everything I've wanted to say about this. Cool. Um, yeah, my other, you know, oh no, I've got a lot of old timey crushes, I guess. Probably my other big one would be Carrie Fisher yeah. as Princess Leia. Yeah. So. Was it that little slinky gold outfit that she's wearing? I mean, Jabba holds her hostage. That there are so many layers to that. I do not want to unpack. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, I always just dug the the space buns, mm. and yeah, she always like she always rocked a good hairdo. She did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's dial into Los Angeles. Yeah, ring, 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 ring. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are back. Yes. Yes. We are. So a huge Australian welcome to Jessica and Dan from Reliant K. No, that's not from Reliant no. K. Fuck. <laughs> yes, from we're from Reliant, Reliant K. From the Reliant big... K podcast, Sadie Walker. That's the one. My God. I was trying You're to You're spoiling like... the big, big news that we are now members of Reliant K. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know you told us that in private, but um, yeah, no, God. You know, when you try, like, you're sort of half saying the sentence in your head, but then the other half you're saying out loud. Yeah. It's like, this doesn't. Like, right. I, I think, literally, in terms of. <laughs> Um, researching this song like I was lying on the couch like half asleep one morning and in my head I sort of started the sentence and out of nowhere I just said Sam because that was originally by Prince yeah and I think like Sam just sort of turned around looked from the kitchen like yeah and I guess like you just sort of went along yeah. with it so thanks for doing that but I was just like oh my goodness um so yes no, we'll take that again. So we have been... Okay. <laughs> no, look, we'll keep this all. But yeah, we <laughs> are very lucky to have like married up schedules after months of me mostly putting things off just because life is hard sometimes. But yeah, we are chatting to Jess and Dan from the Sadie Hawkins podcast. And in a similar vein to Punko's pod, they break down every single Reliant K track and we're birthed from Blink 155 yes um, yeah <laughs> part of the 155 universe of podcasts but I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it so would you no, like to give us can you take the floor and tell us what Sadie Hawkins pod is all about I feel like you did a pretty good job that's oh, the whole you. rundown <laughs> yeah we talk about uh, a different Relying K song every week. Uh, we don't go in order alphabetical or anything like that. We just kind of pick at random, like sort of Blink-155 style, like you said. Although I imposed one rule that we can't do the same album twice in a month. That's our main rule, just so we're not like burning through the same album too quickly. And then... Um, yeah, that's like our only real rule. Yeah, and I think we already broke it. Yeah, we've broken it here and there. <laughs> Rules I mean, we broke. Broken. Yeah, yeah. It's just a it's a guideline. Yeah. Um. And yeah, what else? So yeah, we we talk about every line case song. We um, we're married. Uh, yeah. So and one of the things that we like bonded over when we first met 
and we're just friends was Reliant K. It was one of the first conversations we had Aww. as friends because um, I had seen Reliant K a whole lot in their like early years. Yeah. And they've had multiple different kind of lineups. And what would you you'd kind of think of as like the first main era of Reliant K where they were four members. Yes. I would like bug them at local sh- at They weren't a local band to us. They were from Ohio. I lived in Massachusetts. But anytime they played in our area, they were relatively smaller shows still. So like you could yeah. have access to them and I would bug them all the time. So I had all these stories that I shared earlier in our podcast. And then when I met Jessica... I asked her, like, what's your favorite band? Just getting to know her. And she's like, oh, you probably haven't heard of them. And by this point, they were now signed to a major. And, like, they were a pretty well-known band. And they're, like, yeah, at least their biggest, their first major studio album had come out. Yes. So, um, so, not major studio. Their first major label. Be My Escape was on the radio. Yeah. Like, yes. The summer before we met. (laughs) And Jessica was like, yeah, you probably haven't heard of my favorite band. They're called Reliant K. As I heard of them, I know Matt Thiessen, who's the lead singer. (laughs) In hindsight, I didn't really know them, but I knew them in the way, like, you know, you think you know a a person if you bug them all the time and they actually give you their time. And I did have his email address. Yeah, I was going to say, he came up all smooth and was like, I have Matt Thiessen's email address. And I was like, oh, hello. Smooth operator, I love it. That yeah. also confirms it because we had to watch an interview with him to be like, how do you pronounce his last name? So I was thinking Tyson. Oh, right. I was thinking like, Thiessen. Oh, yeah. So. yeah, I was being all intelligent, like, like no, it's a T sound, <laughs> but I still got it wrong. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, it's also, uh, I feel like it's it's the one, aside from like, how do you pronounce his name? And I hear other podcasts and things on YouTube where people don't know it's Thiessen. And yeah. they'll say Thiessen or Tyson or whatever like that. Um, but you can't really begrudge anybody. Although, like, they mention their names. They're, like, some of their early albums, like, their names are in the album. I've commented oh, wow. on it, how it's, like, it's almost like it's almost like they have that thing that, like, rappers have where it's, like, if you say your name in your album enough, it really, like, burrows it into your listeners' heads. And it really, like, you know, it sort of helps build... Uh, a, a fan base in a certain way where they kind of know you. So like, there's like little skits on their first couple albums and they say their own names and stuff. So it kind of, especially for a band that like wouldn't have proper exposure through like news outlets or MTV or something. Yes. Um, it's on, yeah, it, it, it helps to know how to pronounce his name. But um, one of the other things is like Tiffany, he spells, it's spelled the same way as Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Yes. The actress. Ah. Yeah. So, but she pronounces it Thiessen and he pronounces it Thiessen. And I've never like, I don't know if there's any answer to why does he pronounce it that way and the actress pronounces it the other way. But I do feel like it's like a Reliant K fan 101 to make like the Tiffany Amber Thiessen jokes early on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. I love like, I could be way off on this, but I feel like in the US... A lot of these bands that are on are on a smaller scale, you can have a bit of an ongoing relationship with them that goes beyond just going to shows, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, like here in Australia, like we do have our Australian bands that like make it relatively big, but it's sort of, you can either be like a very local band, in which case you just sort of stay yeah. local, like for better or for worse, or 
you take off and then you never really come back to yeah your hometown in the same way. Yeah. Whereas I think, yeah, as a teenager, I used to get so jealous of all these people. They're like, oh, yeah, like I met blah, blah, blah after the show. I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it just feels so unreachable to us here. But um, I really love that. Yes. I love... Sorry, you go. It might be, I was, I'm just thinking, uh, it might be like a, the fact that America is like basically 50 little countries. True. Because, yeah. because like having, we've lived in a lot of places since we've been together. And um, just comparing even now living in California to what it was like going to shows when I lived in Massachusetts and New Hampshire as a teenager, like there was, it was more, all those bands are more accessible at some of those venues because they were like medium and sometimes small size venues and like bands can have like completely different uh, size fan bases in different parts of the country. Like they might be a massive band in California where they're playing like, you know, the theater uh, size venue and no one's going to have access to them after the show. But then if they play somewhere in the Midwest or they play like in New Hampshire or something, they might be playing like a small club or a bar like Big D and the kids table. Yes. Was a Boston based band, although they always made time for their fans there because it was their hometown. But like when they would be on tour, a lot of times they would, be the headliner the night that they were in Boston, but then they wouldn't be the headliner anywhere else because they weren't as big a deal elsewhere. I'm talking about in like the early 2000s when they were still kind of coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be like, depending on what state people were in and like what, what concert scenes are like there and what audience exists for a band or, or doesn't exist for a band in that area kind of depends on when you would get the chance to talk to people. Yeah. We sort of had that a little bit with like the kind of emo, but more in like the hardcore scene. So like Melbourne had Carpathian and the Getaway Plan as an yeah, emo band. Getaway South Plan. Australia had I Killed the Prom Queen. New South Wales had Parkway yeah. Drive. Like, yeah, like we we had that in, in that sort of scene, but like essentially you would also have your bigger bands. Like Carpathian was never going to be the, the headliner over Parkway Drive. In that yeah, sort of true. Sense. But that's, yeah. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm so glad we finally get to talk to you Agreed. about that. <laughs> uh, I think that's like, it's just, yeah, the scene over here is worlds away from what it would have been like to grow mm. up in the US. And I know I'm definitely romanticizing it a bit because it's just like, it's, it's a scene. Like it's not a huge, um, but yeah, it's, I love hearing stories about, people around about my age who grew up like in the thick of it if that yeah. makes sense because right for me it was quite different it was like yeah like I went to school in a really small town and yeah like, wore like swooshy fringes and lots of black and that's about it like you and you got you got to see Green Day in a stadium and exactly. then they they got in their van and, and buggered off back at the hotel and, and you couldn't see them at all because yeah. they were Green Day and they were huge which like right. probably so I also feel like security over here is a bit more like tight about it like mm. that yeah I don't know right if you're an American band and maybe you're gonna go to most any other country you kind of go there with the pomp and circumstance of like we make enough money here to bring yeah. us here yeah <laughs> so like why would we just have why would it just be because a lot of times if you had access to a band it's because the band was at a point where they don't really have a crew 
Yes. Like they yeah. might have one or two guys and like an, a merch person or something, but like maybe their whole crew for their whole tour is like the band and two or three other people, or maybe it's just the band. You know what yeah. I mean? So like when I think of the bands that I would meet and talk to in high school, it was usually because like you wouldn't even know if anyone's there working with them. Yeah, so that might exactly. be a thing too. True. It always makes me like, yeah, I'm always interested when it's an American act like comes over here and like plays somewhere tiny. Like I remember, I remember Little John coming over here, <laughs> and this was like after his career had like exploded and everything. Like after, you know, I can't remember what his songs were. <laughs> did he do Turn Down for Water? Yeah, he did do Turn yeah. Down. But like then he like in like the 2010s came and played in like just a small like the Pelican Bar in Frankston. So just this <laughs> small bar above a bar that maybe stands like. 400 yeah on the outskirts of the, like right on like the outer periphery perimeter i should say of yeah. the city as you would call it i guess yeah it's but... still like an hour out of the city but yeah <laughs> oh, man. you, you have to... to tell me that the tour was called down under for Ooh. Ooh. i don't i i mean i didn't go see it with john but i I, okay. I think that's a that's a miss jessica gave me a look like jessica gave me a look like uh, <laughs> if I was little John and I was doing an Australian tour, that would be what you'd have to call it. Exactly. Because it seems like every international act that comes over here is it's the down under something tour. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's that, and then they go to Heelsville Sanctuary and they get a photo hugging a koala. And yep. Yep. you've got like, <laughs> that's your rite of passage. If you come over here from the US, you have to go hug a koala and. Put it on your social, and that's and that's for you too as well. If you come over to Australia, yes. you got to hug a koala. If you come over, and if you get hepatitis from it, that's even <laughs> yes. bigger news. <laughs> so yeah, if you get chlamydia, that's like an achievement unlock. Yeah, but no, just eat some eucalyptus leaves with them. They get high off that shit. Exactly, they are oh. wild creatures. Um, so <laughs> I am loving the path that we are taking, but I also. Feel like <laughs> We owe you guys a bit of structure just so you can get on with your lives once we're done. Okay. So, because our whole thing here is cover tracks, so we like to ask any of our guests that come on, like, for you guys, what constitutes, like, a categorically good cover song? Like, are there any qualities or, like, the way a band approaches a song when they're making a cover that signals to you like yep this is good as opposed to this is half-baked this is not my type of thing do you have like a sort of rating system for how to approach a cover song yeah personally i like it when the band performs that song yeah. in their own style yeah so like that's why i like all of the like punko series because yeah. it's them like really putting on that pop punk sound which is something that we ran into because reliant k in addition to this cover song had a whole album of cover songs called k for karaoke but they yes. played those all really straight ahead and not very pop punk and so that was a little a little disappointing yeah right it's yeah. also that album is past their pop punk time yeah. into their more modern time where it's more sort of just like alt, like modernish alt rock type of stuff yeah yeah um and we've re I, I always like i always hear everyone say and i don't know if i ever had an opinion before this but not just your podcast but a lot of other podcasts when they talk about covers they'll talk about like oh this one isn't transformative enough or whatever so i've just been devil's advocate recently and i've been like <laughs> does it have to be transformative 
So when we talk about K's for karaoke now, I'm just kind of like a thorn in Jessica's side. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's called K is for karaoke. They're performing karaoke tracks. They're doing this on purpose. They just want it to sound exactly like the original song, but with their guitar tone. So yeah. I'm just, I'm, and I don't know if I really believe that or I'm just like going against the grain of everyone else that I hear all the time. Because probably if I think of some of my favorite covers, they are like transformative. They're not necessarily, unless one thing I always think about is like when it comes to covers is people who would do covers of songs that you don't necessarily know and it doesn't come with that baggage yes. of, of it being a band you've heard of or even a song you heard of before. Like one of my, I think one of the first times I ever learned about what a cover was I mean, certainly understood like someone can perform a song that's not theirs. Like, but the idea that a band would take a song that existed by another band and like put it on their album and kind of make it their own was Knowledge, the Operation Ivy yeah. song when Green Day oh, did it. Yes. Especially because that was such a huge staple in their whole like repertoire up until American Idiot. Like that, that like became their song but it was an Operation Ivy song and I didn't know who Operation Ivy was. Yeah. Especially because like, this, this is like, I'm talking about when I was in middle school and there was no internet. There was internet, but it was even before the internet people talk about when they're like, oh, there was internet. Like, I know I'm talking about 1996 internet where it's just HTML and there's no <laughs> video and audio or anything. Yeah. Like I, I was able to learn who Operation Ivy was, but I couldn't like go out and listen to them unless I dropped, you know, the $18 for a CD and I did had no idea who they were. So I didn't do that. Yes. So I thought of that as a Green Day song, knowing it wasn't written by them because it had the credit on the back. Yeah. But like that just kind of existed as a Green Day song in my head forever. And then eventually I did hear the Operation Ivy track because I got huge into ska and that was yeah. obviously a route to go to, but like, then those songs could kind of live harmoniously. Those two versions were able to live harmoniously in my head and I didn't never thought of which one is better. Yeah. I kind of thought they both belong with both bands. That's true. Like especially within the context of like Green Day's roots and like they sort of ran in the same circles, like when they were kids and sort of back when they were playing like Gilman Street and that, like to trot out something like knowledge, that was a sort of signal of like we've done our homework like we are in this kind of like wholeheartedly and so yeah like I can totally see because I remember I guess I'd probably be the internet generation one below you Dan where I was like oh Operation Ivy never heard of them because Green Day were like my first band that I got like super duper into so I remember like listening to the Operation Ivy one and being like wow this is completely different but again that sort of opened my eyes to just your more straightforward, like, punk, if not, like, ska-influenced punk. Like, it's just super right. fascinating to be able to regard the two as different signposts for different things. Like, right. for me, the Green Day one sort of sim symbolises, like, the sense of community they had when they started and the way they sort of keep referring back to it. Like, I can't... Oh, man, the last time I saw Green Day would have been for... Uh, probably revolution radio so like i can't remember if they did the whole thing of like bringing someone up on stage to play knowledge but yeah like to me i i'm in a similar mind to you where i regard the two as like completely different entities right and yeah it's fascinating. so that yeah 
I was going to say, say that kind of seems like a rare thing that can happen maybe once yeah. in a while, but it, it definitely seems to happen like if a band covers a song by a band that maybe isn't as big as them. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Whereas yeah. that's kind of the opposite point of the Punk Goes comps, even though a generation of kids who might have listened to the Punk Goes comps wouldn't necessarily know the original artists. I yeah. think object, objectively, the artists that were being covered were all technically bigger than the most of the bands covering them. Definitely. Like, I, I think you could say the Bangles were bigger than Relying K. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a reach, but I think I could agree with you. <laughs> it sort of depends. Like, with the, like, half of the Punk Goes Metal album, which sort of rankles me a little bit, it's, a lot of it is just, like, ballads and stadium rock. Yeah. So I could see, like, I mean, who did the Ataris cover? The Ataris covered, like, Skid Row, I think. So I, Ooh, yeah, something like that. I'd like to think that the Ataris were bigger than Skid Row ever was. I, I guess in terms of like enduring bands though, like I feel like Skid Row is one of those names that gets thrown out as an example of their scene. Yeah, I feel like you can buy a Skid Row t-shirt at like Walmart, but you can't buy yeah. an Atari's t-shirt at yeah. Walmart. Yeah, that's true. That's when you know you've made it. Is when yeah. <laughs> in Walmart. <laughs> oh man. But um Sorry, I'm blanking a bit. I'm still just like, yeah, Operation <laughs> But um, so within the context of like what you guys regard as like good versus not as good covers, how do you feel about the way Reliant K did handle, um, God, I was about to say knowledge. Manic Monday. Manic Monday. <laughs> that would be sick though. If they haven't already, I highly suggest that they cover knowledge. That would be great. <laughs> I think this is like one of their, they only have a handful of covers that aren't on that uh, covers album, which yeah. like I said, is a later project. It's 2011. Yeah. So it is kind of past their pop punk time. Mm -hmm. But um, like, this is like one of their best it kind is. of cover projects because they did transform it so well, I feel like, like they made it so fun, especially when I went back and I listened to the Apollonia Prince demo. Yeah. 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 And I realize it just has, and I, I really like Prince. I've done some deep diving on Prince, especially his like first four or five albums recently. Yeah. But that like, that kind of shuffling drum beat that you kind of think of with Raspberry Beret. Yes. Yeah. Like it, it, in the Apollonia 6 original demo version, it, that shuffling drum beat for Manic Monday got so repetitive and like, even though it was only three minutes, the Apollonia demo, I just found kind of like, okay, it's kind of like, I know the song. It's probably a benefit that I know the melody and I know the song, but I'm like, if I heard this and had no idea who Manic Monday was, I'd be like, this song kind of, you know, it needed a little little bit more changes up, you know, changing up, which yes. then he ends, Prince ends up giving it to the Bangles. Yeah. And for the most part, it's one sort of, what's the word it's it's one not one note because that's a negative way of saying it but it, it's it's one like proper like kind of tone one sort yeah. of thing that most of the time when there's a bridge that changes it up but they don't change up the tone of the bridge they that just kind of like changes up you know the melody the chord progressions or whatever like a bridge normally does but then relying k comes along and they elevated it where they took all those sections of the song and they actually kind of make each one its own little part yeah but they're kind of like cutting it out of the same cloth but it all feels like totally like they completely transformed the bridge 
And, um, and one thing you guys talk about all the time, and we actually talk about it in our regular lives. So it was like, when I started listening to your podcast, I was like, oh, good. People agree with this idea is it's, <laughs> it's lame when people change pronouns in cover songs. Yes. yes. Especially if the guy singing and they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, I don't want people to think I'm gay. So I'm going to change the pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I understand it, like, maybe if it's, like, a Broadway thing and it's, like, actually a narrative story, you know, it's a narrative, so you're actually, whatever, but who, it, maybe, but my yeah. point is, <laughs> yeah, it, like, he didn't change the pronouns in this at all, and then, yeah. so he's kissing Valentino, but you know that Matt Thiessen isn't doing that, like, you know, he's, he's not literally singing, he's doing these things, yeah. like, he knows it's a song, and if you're in the car singing a song, you're not going to change the pronouns or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah. And my one, my one thing I always wondered is they do switch up the, um, he tells me in his bedroom voice part, they change yeah. it up with the, he tells me in his quiet ride voice. I was like, is saying, was saying the word bedroom just a little too whatever. And they were like, let's just change this part up. Was this like. To come on feel. Yeah. yeah to come on. <laughs> well, I'm of two minds of it. Like one, it's just, funny or fun to like switch it up and make it extra 80s yes because like this was a relative this is still a relatively new thing the whole punk goes right this was the first punk goes 80s right yes yeah best in island yeah 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 oh okay so definitely one of the earlier yeah 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 so i think probably oh and i didn't mention this but i the the one member of the band that we kind of have an open rapport with online i checked with him on a few things and one thing i asked him was uh and i'll I'll tell you more of what he said but one thing he said was um it was fearless that came to them and asked them to be on this comp so this wasn't yeah so this wasn't like a like they recorded this and then fearless got wind of it or like any record executive was like oh hey you know they have this punk goes 80s thing over there it was like fearless records actually came to reline case said do you want to be on this uh it's John, uh, John Schneck is the guitarist who yeah. we like speak to. And he, um, he said, he doesn't remember whose pick the song was, if it, if that was the record, one of the record labels or if that was the band or whatever. Right. But um, uh, yeah. That's so, cause I always feel yeah. like they, I always feel like fearless picks some of them. Cause some of the bands really don't seem like they want to be doing the song and it's just like, all right, let's get in and get out and get it done. Like, but yeah. I always wondered because Sorry, like yeah. punk goes a, well, Relying K is on Punko's acoustic. I don't think that that song was done for Fearless. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure yeah. that was just done by Relying K because it's on an EP. Yeah. Along with other acoustic versions of songs from that era of their band. Yeah. So I was always kind of curious, like, how does Fearless do that? Do they like, would they go out and kind of get a couple flagship covers and then like, or would they ask everybody? I don't know. Yeah. But like, at, le- at least I learned that. No, that's awesome. Yeah, the acoustic ones yeah. kind of always, to me, felt like it was like the bonus material of each band's, like, you know, Japanese releases or something. You know, they put out an acoustic song or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like, going back to the point about the changing the lyrics to reference quite right, we were talking about this exact and you will, when this episode releases, you'll hear me sing some Quiet Riot. You will. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were sort of thinking, like, in a way, like, you do wonder if they're not so much sanitizing as just sort of taking it down a notch, just given 
like that might not necessarily be something they want to be yeah so um obvious about but then at the same time it is such a clever nod to just the 80s theme like, right and nod to the music they enjoyed of yeah. the 80s or just the overall like they are basically taking this like it fits the brief like they've taken what they were asked to do and like yeah delivered in space it's just yeah right As, like, like if as, they couldn't have sorry. Oh, I know, I was going to say, because to me it sounds like, a. I mean, I've said this already, but it sounds like a song that would play on, like, an early 2000s Disney movie. Yes. And right. in the best possible way, like like a movie with Lindsay Lohan or Amanda Bynes in it. Yes, yeah. right. I would thoroughly enjoy that. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, if they hadn't come up with, with something, it's, it, it feels clever, like, to reference quiet, to replace bedroom voice with quiet riot voice exactly. it feels clever and it feels like it ties into the whole comp theme yes. if they hadn't been able to come up with something like that like if quiet if come on feel the noise didn't exist or whatever like and they didn't have another good reference like that yeah. maybe they yeah. would have just left the original lyric like they wouldn't have worked harder to replace bedroom voice yeah, definitely. <laughs> but no i do but they yeah sorry you go um so so yeah, so I so I talked to uh, John Schneck, who like so Crash Course on Reliant K. Beautiful. For yes, please. <laughs> for what what you would kind of call their youth group years, where they were doing church shows, and like I would talk to them, and like half the shows I saw them at were literally at churches that I would other that I, that I otherwise never went to. Like I just went to that church to see that show, never went back to it. Uh, like drove and New England is a smaller region in terms of like the six states that it is. So I could drive to all these major cities within two hours of each other. So it was like we ha I had more advantages to see tours multiple times than to have to drive like six hours apart. So their youth group years, they had four members. Mm -hmm. um, their bass player left in 2004, getting into 2005, yeah. and they so sort of totally changed up with the band was going to be at that point, Matt Thiessen was like actually getting more piano. So when you hear all the piano in this track and you hear a lot of piano in the album mm -hmm, and the albums after that, it's because they were like, okay, well, our original bass player left. We're going to bring in a new bass player. We're going to bring in a second, a, a, a third guitarist, yeah. but Matt Thiessen will be on the piano half the time. So sometimes they have three guitars on stage and sometimes it's actually two guitars and Matt Thiessen on piano. We did notice um, that for yeah. guitarists. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, sometimes you guys have talked about like bands that have too many members and too many guitarists, uh, and like Thirty Eight Special <laughs> had two drummers, <laughs> right? <laughs> playing playing the same beat. So, uh, so I always, I wondered what it would be like when you realized that Reliant Case sometimes had three guitarists. If that would be like, why is this happening? But it's really because they had two guitarists and really the lead singer was like, I'm going to play piano half the time now. So yeah. we need an extra guitarist on stage to fill it out when I'm, you know, playing piano. Yeah. That's um, yeah. And it was a big, and I didn't really know this cause I never listened to something corporate and I never listened to Jack's mannequin. Oh, did you guys, did you ever listen to those? So apparently like Matt Thiessen was actually buddies with the guy. And I don't remember his name right now, but <laughs> the Jack. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he was, um, that he worked Matt Thiessen wrote a couple songs on the Jackson Mannequin album oh. and so I I'm curious now like if I ever get to talk to Matt Thiessen 
again, <laughs> I yeah. talked to him when I was a kid, but if we ever talked to him in the context of the show, like was Reliant K becoming more piano driven along with, you know, something corporate and Jack's mannequin already doing that was like Jack's mannequin, the influence in that, or was like, were they influenced each other? Cause they were both friends. You know, I'm not really sure yeah. what the answer mm. is there, but anyway, yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. There was a definite market for that piano driven rock. And again, it's yeah. like, yeah, like you said, like did Reliant K sort of follow along with that or was it an organic thing? Because yeah, for me, whenever I think of like pop punk, but with a dash of piano, it's something corporate. And mm. like, I got into them late, but in the US, like I know they were huge for like a hot minute, which, yeah. well, relatively speaking. Um, right. So yeah, I'm just, while you're talking, I'm looking up the notes for the songs that Matt Thiessen helped with. And yeah, so oh, okay. we on the album People and Things, which is a really good album. So that's so cool. Anyway, I'll let you keep going. Okay. So, uh, so the third guitarist that they eventually brought on is named John Schneck. Yeah. Uh, and then he eventually kind of like left the band in 2013-ish, 2014-13. And so he's the one that we had on our show and that we kind of still talk with online. Yeah. And he said, um, so I asked him, like, do you have any insight into Manic Monday? Yeah. And he said, the main lead guitar, like at the beginning, is him. Oh. Like that's actually, yeah. And it was one of the first things he recorded with the band because he was brought in after mm-hmm had already hit the, you know, stores. It had already been released. Yeah. The album mm-hmm is done with the original four member youth group lineup. Yeah. But then it also was kind of a perfect transition for them because they already put all the piano on that album. Yes. But then it was during the tour for that album where they became a five piece and it was wow. really organic change for them in terms of their history. But apparently like John Schneck hadn't been on mm-hmm, and this Manic Monday cover is kind of like a B-side to mm-hmm. Oh, Jessica had a note for that, right? Yeah, it's on their mm-hmm 10 album. Yeah. And they re-released yeah. mm-hmm. The yeah. 10th anniversary of the mm-hmm album, this was included as like a bonus, you know, part of the bonus tracks of that. Like, so they consider this cover to be part of the era that was the album mm-hmm and uh this was yeah this is one of the first songs that he did and he got to play the lead on it uh fearless approached them he doesn't remember who picked the song yeah oh they recorded it at mark lee townsend's studio and mark lee townsend is like there he's like the extra member of reliant k he's like the guy that has recorded most of he's the producer that's recorded almost all of their material oh, like wow. There's only two albums out of their seven, <laughs> eight, I <Yeah>. should know this, <laughs> that there's only two albums he didn't officially produce. And yeah. even one of those two albums that he didn't produce, he still came in and, and picked up three songs that they were having trouble with. Yeah. So he's like basically produced, you know, 98% of their material and they recorded it at that producer's studio. Oh, that's, um, that's one of the things that we, we mentioned is they, especially in their earlier years, they worked. Oh my god! Just, just yeah. at an album yeah. a year, it seemed like for a while. We were just going through yeah. just a quick overview of their um, discography. We we're just like, my god, like, because they started in '98, was it? Um, like, it just, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sheer amount of work they put out in like maybe five, six year window was just nuts. Like so right. <laughs> Uh, and the last note that I have from John is that they never played this song live that he can remember, but they played it at sound checks a lot. 
and it just never worked out. Yeah, but it never worked out to actually put it in the set. So I looked on YouTube and I didn't find any stuff of the band performing it live. So yeah. I guess it never was. No. Um, Thank you so yeah. much for yeah, the no, extra that was amazing. Yeah. analysis because we, yeah. we, we got into, we literally were like, this is the band. We think they cover's good. Like we don't. So <laughs> yeah, we were definitely like we need, yeah, Jess and Jess <laughs> to come on and give us like an expert's view of the band. Yeah. Because the, yeah, it always, there's a point where it feels kind of disingenuous for us to try and like give a huge background to a band that we don't have that history with. Like, yeah. Because yeah, it does sound a bit hollow when we're just like, and then they did this, and then they did this. Um, <laughs> well, there's so many bands you guys have to talk about. Like, I can't, wouldn't expect you to <laughs> know every <Yeah>. band. <laughs> two, at least, almost usually two in every episode. Yeah. Yeah. The acoustic <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we've still got so much longer to go. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's one thing that we can hold constant, so that's good. It's like when all else fails, we will have an episode out on Friday. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Did you have any other Reliant K questions? Oh, man. <laughs> I wish I did. I don't know if I... Because, like, for me, Reliant K was, like... Because, yeah, I didn't grow up in a religious family, but we went to an Anglican college or high school, I should say. So I had friends or like peers that were super into Reliant K, but for some reason, I think, I reckon Be My Escape was probably the only single I heard at the time, just because it sort of transcended past just the rest of their discography yeah. in terms of like charting. And like, I think my sister had it downloaded just on some random mix CD mm. or something but um okay but yeah like thinking, do you have any okay oh, sorry no that's okay like thinking back to the people who enjoyed them like they thoroughly enjoyed them like they were yeah really big fans and like had a real affection for them so I think I always just there was part of me that wanted to listen to their stuff just to get acquainted with it because I love how affectionate their fans were mm. about the work but um, yeah, it's one of those things I think similar to like you said earlier, Dan, in terms of like, you only have so much, never mind money, but just like bandwidth to like be that internet or just mental bandwidth to explore things that you're not already familiar with. Yeah, um, right. So yeah, like for instance, like hearing you talk about like something corporate, Jack's Manic, I'm like, yep, 100%. But then... <laughs> where that's a gap on your end, it's a gap on mine. So it's, I love talking to people who can fill in those gaps for us, I my, suppose. And my knowledge of them was on MSN Messenger and just like seeing other people who I had on MSN Messenger and like you could see their music and I'm like, who is Rallyant K? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I Did you have any... I was going to ask, do you guys have any general questions about like Christian punk and stuff? Cause I can, and especially cause there's so many random like tooth and nail and Christian punk bands sprinkled throughout punk goes. Cause especially, you know, punk goes was like sort of primo time of uh, Christian pop punk crossing over and like not it being normalized, like and not seeming necessarily as uh, much of an other thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah. Like for, uh, for one of the things is that like 
as an adult looking back and like seeing other podcasts and people talking on Twitter and doing this podcast and talking to our listeners is that I wasn't raised in what you would call what people are now calling labeling evangelical. Like I was just sort of regular Protestant Christian. Yeah. My parents had been Catholics and like their, you know, Catholicism wasn't the be all end all of their everyday life. So Mm -hmm. when they converted to becoming born again, Protestant Christians, they just kind of like went to a church and they went to church on Sundays and they do community stuff maybe throughout the week sometimes. And that would be it. But then like when I got into high school and there were other Christian music festivals and Christian bands, I was like, Oh, cool. There's, I listen to punk music. I listen to ska music and there's more bands over here. They just happen to sing about Jesus. And I don't really mind because I know what Jesus is. It doesn't really affect me to hear them. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, give me, uh, you know, uncomfortable chills to hear them singing about Jesus. So I was like, yeah. I get more, I get more bands over here, and that's really what <laughs> it was for me. <laughs> but then, like over time, like looking back, and I'm like, oh, there was this like whole thing going on, blossoming in America at the time, where it's like this evangelical culture of like you only listen to Christian bands and you only buy the Christian grocery products or whatever and you only use the christian makeup products like i don't even know like that wasn't the way i was raised and my parents actually became more like that later on yeah like as that was more available to them so i just kind of it seems glib but like i did i did look at christian punk as like oh i just get some extra bands and i got to listen to them and it wasn't (laughs) a big deal i didn't separate necessarily the christian music from the non-christian music i knew like especially because like MXPX was one of my first big favorite bands and they just happened to be Christian. Yeah. And it didn't, it didn't even matter. Like they personally, when you look at their history, they played regular clubs with regular bands. They hated playing churches from early on in their career. Like they didn't want to do that. Like they wanted to play with epitaph bands and fat rec bands and stuff. They didn't want to, and play two and stuff. They didn't want to like be a, even though they wrote Christian lyrics and they were in Christian bookstores, they didn't want to play churches and they didn't for the most part. So like they kind of tempered my whole understanding of what a Christian punk band could be. So like Reliant K was a band that played youth groups and played churches and stuff, but it was clear to me, like eventually they didn't necessarily think they had to do that forever. They wanted to play like the McDonald's tour. There's like (laughs) this footage of a McDonald's and the Nintendo Wii tour that they did. pardon the pun like they also were quite devout in their faith like it was sort of to the um like what's the word like they listened to these kinds of bands exclusively like there wasn't that sort of holistic look at just punk in general yeah. that kind of thing um so i think in that sense like had there been a few more like peers in my class that were more along the lines of how you looked at music of like, oh yeah, so this is, 
like I guess the same way like I always regarded like Paramore for example like they have become a bit less obviously like Christian but even to begin with they were it was one of those things like they're a band that just happened to be Christian yeah. not a Christian band pretty sure Newfound Glory is the same as yeah, well like they're, Glory. they're Christians that are in a pop punk band yeah you know? so I think yeah, I must have, I think I caught like the sort of backwards view of what Reliant K was about, probably because just, yeah, my experience of who was listening to them mm. at the time. Um, right. But yeah, in saying that, like, again, it sucks because like, yeah, I hear things like, I remember listening to Wrecking Hotel Rooms by MXPX for the first time, like only a couple of years ago. I was like, man, this is so good. Like, where was I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and again, it was another one that was on my periphery, but it was like, yeah. I can have either Blink or MXPX in my life at that time. And I was like, <laughs> well, Mark Hoppus is on that song. So that was like the perfect gateway <laughs> exactly. to that song. Oh, that's so good. I think, yeah, that's the bit that always does my head in is just those sort of like sliding doors type situations. Like I could have ended up being like a super fan of this band, but instead here we are. Yeah. Um, right. I still see tweets because I, I troll, I not troll, but I, I like, I, uh, what's the word? I like spy on everyone who tweets about Reliant K. Yeah. I, I'm constantly like, I'll go back until I figure out where I, where I left off last time. And so I see plenty of people who are like, wait, Reliant K is Christian. And mm-hmm. they, sometimes people are like, like upset or whatever, especially because their later song, their mid-level songs like, mm-hmm and later, yeah. they mastered Matt Thiessen as a lyricist kind of mastered the the idea of like writing songs that could be Christian themes, yes. but could yeah. also be more universal themes, like maybe mental health or love or whatever. Yeah. And the idea I believe through doing this podcast that in most cases, when it's that way, he actually wants it to be both. And yeah. if you don't bring a religious point of view to it, then it's not a religious point of view. And if you do bring a religious point of view to it, it is a religious point of view. But then like people will learn they're Christian and be like, oh fuck, like Be My Escape was a religious song and now it's not about love and I'm mad. But like, I'm like, no, Be My Escape is literally, like poetry can be about both things. It can have text and subtext and two different sets of subtext. Like it can work that way. Now that being said, that being said, there are songs that are not flat out not religious yeah, that we yeah. then see people online arguing like this song is religious. And we're like, no, it literally can't be. Because if you do that, then it makes God like seem like the worst thing in the world because this was meant as a breakup song. And you're like making God <laughs> seem like the worst boyfriend in the world. <laughs> it, it, to me, it sounds like the awakening that a lot of right wing people have had over the last couple of years oh. by going, wait, Rage Against the Machines, a political band? Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what lyrics were you listening to? I love that. Like, a band that says, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Well, but like, it's, the, <laughs> it's the same song that's, that's saying that, you know, the police are in the KKK. Like, yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, man. I guess my key Reliant K question is... So for someone who's a complete newbie to them, so me, for instance, what's the one album that you would recommend to me to just get an idea of their ethos as a band, their sound, just the kind of personality they carry? Forget and not slow down. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's like their you know how most a lot of bands have an album that might not be their biggest seller or like the one that like everyone knows the title but it's the one that like that the fans will say this is their best album yeah that's the album forget not slow down is that album for reliant k where it like didn't have the biggest marketing budget compared to the previous two albums and stuff but it's like artistically their height yeah nice yeah awesome i yeah sam i know you told me not to mention it but we are we've been put back in a snap lockdown which means we can have two hours of exercise so i'm going for hopefully five days yes (laughs) fingers crossed so i'm going to spend a portion of my two hours going for a walk in relatively nice weather. I'm going to listen to Forget and Not Slow Down and get back to you on that because, nice. yeah, nice. it's long overdue. I remember, like, the amount of times I've seen, like, mm-hmm or even Forget and Not Slow Down in someone's, like, collection, I'm just like, I really should have listened to that by now. Um, right. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, look, in terms of just pivoting away from Reliant K, just you guys, this is your space to, yeah, promote whatever you want to promote. Like how can Reliant K fans reach out to you guys if they haven't already? Uh, Where can we listen to Sadie Hawkins' pod? This is your space to advertise as much or as little as you'd like. And then hell yeah, oh yeah, nah. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Um, so yeah, we have, uh, we're on inst- mainly Instagram and Twitter are two social medias and they're both Sadie Hawkins pod. Yep. Um, we're on Spotify and, and, uh, Apple podcasts and, and everything I've learned is a podcast app. I've tried to make sure to submit it there. So hopefully we're mo- more or less everywhere. Um, and I also run a Twitter account and an Instagram called MXPX memes. Yep. That was kind of my, like, <laughs> that was kind of my first foray into like, uh, dankery. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I don't post as much on there all the time. Like I used to be constant on there on Twitter yeah. and Instagram, but like now with the podcast, I actually, I'm split pretty 50, 50. Yeah. Um, are you I think you've already told me this. Are you already, already, are you also Pixkatu dancers? Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> right. Because on the Blank 55 Facebook, you shared the, uh, it's just Scott Pikachu. I just call it Scott Pikachu because that's the Twitter hand, that's the handle. Um, yeah, so a couple, like when the P- when the Pokemon Detective Pikachu movie came out, there was a meme that had nothing to do with me where, where like they had Pikachu dance, the, the new CGI Pikachu dancing for like two minutes. It was like, and someone like, oh, like new, like the movies just linked online kind of thing. Check. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so someone took this like two seconds where it looks out of the whole dance where it looks like he's skanking <laughs> and they put that, they put that two seconds to uh, impression that I get. And yeah. I looked at that meme, which had nothing to do with me. Like, you know, God love whoever made that meme. They, they've given me another outlet. I was like, oh, I could do so much more with this. So I took that two seconds and I made a Twitter account. I don't have an Instagram for it because Instagram has too much copyright match. And so basically I take that same two seconds of Pikachu footage and I just match it to different ska, ska songs on Twitter. It's at ska Pikachu. Yeah. Uh, and then... I once in a while think of like a ska Pikachu meme or a ska meme 
and I'll post it there. I'll, you know, I don't just do, I, I mostly just do these videos, but if I think of something kind of on the periphery, I'll post it to, to that Twitter. And one thing I did was when they did the, when, when uh, Travis Barker had that video for the Blink-182 tour, I think the, was it the Little Wayne tour? Yeah. yeah. And he's in the, he's in that video with the porn star who's just like the, the nurse from the Enema cover. But it's a different porn star than the one that's on the cover. Yeah. And like, I took that clip and I made a bunch of memes from that where like Travis like wakes up from his medical coma and he looks over and he's about to see the, the nurse dancing sexy, but instead I would cut in different like ridiculous dancing memes. <laughs> and one of them I did was the Ska Pikachu meme. And I was like, well, I can post this to my stuff and I can post this to Ska Pikachu. And then you found it and like you posted it to Blink-55 Facebook group. And I'm like, uh, do you know this is me? <laughs> That just made my day. Like I was honestly like laughing so hard. I was crying when I first saw that. I just, it really, it just hits the spot. It tickles me so much. <laughs> so, like, I am forever grateful for Scar. <laughs> yeah. Never yeah. smile. So yeah, anyone who enjoys a very specific crossover of Scar and Pokemon. <laughs> Pokemon, yeah. It's. Brilliant. I want to do a cut of the entirety of Detective Pikachu, but all the music is just Scar. Ooh, that would be good. Yeah, I'm trying. Do you guys have anything else that you want to plug? Anything you want to ask us? Anything you want to say to the listenership that we have? No, I think I'm good. Oh, my only, my last note that I didn't get to on this song is I always thought towards the middle of the song, the bangles, and by extension, any cover. I thought it was blame it on the train, but the bus is already there. Yes. Yeah. But did you guys go over this? But it's actually the boss is already there. So I thought it's like yeah. she missed the bus, so she takes the train, but then the bus got there on time or something like that. But yeah. no, it turns out she got on, she missed the bus, she takes the train, and her boss is already there. Yeah. I was convinced through every cover, every ver- every time I'd ever heard the real song on the radio, that it was the bus is already there. And it was this week. I was today years old. Well, I was like three days ago years old when I realized it's the bus is, the boss is already there. I mean, just because the boss is already there doesn't mean that you're late. But, you know. It's one of those things. Right. Like, but no amount of excuses will, like, the boss is already there. So, like, presumably they took an earlier train to get to work so why can't you like yeah right yeah because i remember having the same thing like i looked at genius and someone specifically annotated like there's a lot of division between whether it's bus or boss and i guess <laughs> the way but i like the idea of it being the boss because i can just so wholeheartedly relate to that thing of just like yeah just being like chronically late and also because <laughs> our cat right. boss exactly and our cat boss he will not suffer <laughs> to work when I'm working from home, for example. Um, but no, oh, yeah, and our podcast has an, has an animal mascot as well. Her name's April. She's our chi-weenie. Yeah. She's Aww. also our, we call her our podcast engineer. Yes, I love it. <laughs> she does a horrible job, to be quite honest. Yeah. She just lays down and sleeps all day. If you ever saw the, the, the Germs movie, Yep. Did you ever see the germs biopic and then they like cut to one shot of the a character playing Joan Jett sleeping on a couch and that's J- the Joan Jett whole cameo. No. It's like it's 
It says like Joan Jett producer of this album and it's just her sleeping on the couch. That's oh, April all the time. Oh, darn April. <laughs> Please tell me you have April merch. I feel like the populace is calling out for it. I could be wrong. We need to make some. Yeah, we've only just yeah. vaguely ventured into merch ideas. Mm. So. Oh, we've, we've started making some. We have. Yeah. We just haven't shared it with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think at some point we'll need boss merch mostly so I can wear a picture of our boss. <laughs> or, yeah. Wear a picture of our boss, our comma boss. boss. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so no, if you guys do some April merch, I will absolutely get some. Okay. <laughs> um, so before we let you guys get back to your... Lives. Yeah, morning? Yeah. <laughs> evening. It's evening, quarter of 8pm. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we like to assess our tracks by using the metric hell yeah or yeah nah. So what do you guys think of both the original and the cover of Manic Monday? I think it's hell yeah for both. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I reckon like give the original a bit of a deep dive. Yeah. Whereas the the cover, it can just be like you can just listen to it and it's enjoyable. Yeah. Like, you don't need to look into it. It's just like this fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, like immediately, like hell yeah for Reliant K. It took me a while to come around to Manic Monday as a concept, but then, mm. as everyone will have heard in the episode previously on, um, <laughs> yeah, it ended up being a very resounding hell yeah, yeah. which I wasn't expecting. So. It's full of surprise. And we didn't talk. We didn't even talk about Prince that much, but he wrote the song. Yeah. It's like, yeah. like even the lyrics and stuff. So how does Prince understand what a manic Monday is? Like? Uh-huh. He's like <laughs> one of the most like, like, like he made his own path his whole life. Like, what kind of manic? You know, what kind of nine to five job did he do? I don't really know, but he was a he was a superstar from like his 20s on so it's funny that he was like yeah manic monday yeah got to get to work got to take the bus <laughs> if it was manic for prince then it must just be absolute chaos like, <laughs> yeah. it's not that thing of like don't forget you also like i always hear it for beyonce which feels particularly cruel but like any like huge celebrity usually a woman and people be like oh like Remember, they also only have 24 hours in the day. It's like, no, they don't. They have 24 hours multiplied by however many staff they have helping. <laughs> right. like, be realistic here. Like, you cannot achieve the same things in a day that they can because you don't have those resources. So, right. That's a conversation. Yeah, like, I hate, like, you know, I, I, I try to be reasonable when it comes to songwriters who might, like, write a song about like the whole uh, Blink-155 college, uh, going away to college controversy. Yeah. Like I was very much against Sam on that, <laughs> and maybe like a little too much so. But I'm like, yeah, Mark Hoppus barely went to college. He, you know, he experiences, they were literal fiction inspired by movies, yeah. that song was. But it's like still like we, you know, we all kind of, I can still imagine Mark Hoppus, I know Mark Hoppus and Tom DeLonge had like, real uh experiences as you know uh coming up and making blink One Eight to their own and yeah. like not necessarily having like all of the support right away you know but i'm still i'm but i'm still like well prince i don't know did he yeah. really <laughs> similar to like yeah i don't know any like i feel like prince takes on like similar to david bowie like a kind of mythical presence as well like, yeah right? yeah, yeah. Rated yeah. on like a completely different wavelength to 
your average Joe. Yeah, I think it was just like when they both died, it was like, but how? They were they're immortal know. alien. Right. Just be <laughs> in the fabric of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, we are, <laughs> yes. Um, thank you again so, so much. Yes, thank you. Um, no problem. Thank you. Dad, please listen to Sadie Hawkins' pod wherever any good podcasts are. Pedal sold. <laughs> um, oh, that's right. You can go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. Yes. <laughs> we, yeah. Um, we talk about uh, Reliant K covers there. And uh, there was this book that Reliant K really didn't have anything to do with. It's a really, really bad Christian uh, teenage relationship book that basically like the publisher was like, can we put your name on this? <laughs> And we've been reading through it chapter by chapter and picking apart every paragraph. <laughs> and it's been awesome. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, hello, April. Was that April? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> She's saying hi. <laughs> She's agreeing. She's like, yes, go to Sadie Hawkins pod. Go to patreon.com slash Sadie Hawkins pod. Exactly. No, do what April says. <laughs>